Let's go really quickly to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, and I'm going to read verse uh, 8 through verse 12. And I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. If, if you have another translation, you can read along with us. But I'll be reading out, out of the NLT of this particular text. When you have uh, 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 8, I want you to signify by saying amen. Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults on Facebook when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. Hmm. That is what God has called you to do. And he will grant you his blessing. For the scripture says, if you want to enjoy life and see happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Verse 11, turn away from evil and do good. Search or pursue peace and work to maintain it. Verse 12, the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. I'm going to give you a word from the Lord tonight. I'll just give you a word because I'm going to say more than one word, but I got a feeling that out of all the words I say tonight, uh, we have a short attention span and we will leave a church service like, oh, church was so good tonight. What did the preacher preach? It was good. <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to give you one word and then maybe that will jog your memory and help you pull out everything else tonight. I'm going to speak to you and, and I'm not going to, I don't plan to holler. It don't mean I won't holler, but I don't plan to. Uh, I do want to give this word that, to give you to stick it in your spirit and your heart tonight. Look at the person beside you and shout this word, shout together. together. That's it. Together, that's it. That's what I want to minister to you, kingdom life. It's together. Unity is wanted, is desirable. Uh, at least that's what we say, right? But if everybody wants unity and togetherness, why is it so hard? You know, if everybody could be like you, your house would be in a whole lot better predicament, right? <laughs> And if every church member thought the way you thought, everything would be perfect. Now, we don't say that out of our mouths, but that's how we maneuver. That's how we think. That's our thinking. Why is unity so hard? Why is togetherness so complicated? Well, you need to be reminded that we all have a fallen nature. I mean, because of Adam, you all do believe in that, right? Because of the sin of Adam, it's fixed it that everybody born after Adam has this Fallen nature. We have a fallen nature with a world that caters to it and an enemy that lures us with it. Now, I need you to know those three components have an effect on us. We have a fallen nature, a world that caters to our fallen nature, and a Satan that lures us with it. And I want to make sure that I'm clear that those are three separate things and not all the same thing. Because sometimes many of us are always rebuking the devil when it's not the devil you need to rebuke. You need to rebuke yourself. It's, it's easier for us to put it on the devil, but sometimes we give the devil credit for stuff that's us. As a matter of fact, you can't be tempted by something that you don't want. You know, believe it or not, I had a musician. He's, he's pastoring one of our churches now, Pastor Bruce Johnson. He did not like chocolate. I just thought, it, I thought that was demonic. I didn't know what it was about. But 
Pastor Bruce doesn't like chocolate. Well, because he doesn't like chocolate, I could put chocolate cookies in front of him all day and it wouldn't faze him because he don't like it. Now, you put chocolate cookies in front of me. I don't know how long they're going to sit there, right? Because the enemy only tempts us with what we desire. I want somebody to throw up your hands and say, Lord, change my desires. Because many of us feel like we could be successfully saved if we could just live as a monk or a nun somewhere. But let me tell you, I'll never forget one time this young lady, we was at, uh, at the university together and we didn't see her for three days. And, uh, oh wow, she's from West Virginia, so I'm not going to call her name. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen her in years, but I'll never forget we hadn't seen her in three days. And when I saw her, I said, what, what happened to you? Where were you at? She says, I tell you, Satan was after me. And she said, so I just locked myself in my room. I said, can I tell you something? She said, what? I said, he was in there with you. (laughs) It's called the spirit of fear. Right? And so we have this carnal nature that's bent toward the world that caters to it. And Satan that lures us with it. And because of that, I'm going to say something very strong. I don't want nobody to run out because you're going to expose yourself. Because of this fallen nature, the best of us, the most hospitable of us, the most kind-hearted of us, we battle being self-centered, selfish, self-serving, to the point even when times individuals in our day are doing something for others, they have to post it. You help somebody in the church says, yes, her and her kids, they didn't have nothing. So, you know, me and my husband, we just went and got some clothes from our son that went off to college and we just gave them. Some, why, why does everybody have to know what you did? Because even when we're trying to help people, there's something out of helping others. We're trying to be gratified within ourselves. So even the best of us, we have to fight. From fight the need or desire to be the center of attention, to serve ourselves. You don't have to teach a child to be possessive. You have to teach them how to share. Because your child can have toys that they don't like, they pay no attention to, and let another child come over and pick that little dirty toy up. All of a sudden, they go, your little sweet angel, mine, mine. Mm, yes, you know, you don't have to teach a child to say, uh, say uh, no. You have to teach them how to say yes. Nothing reveals how selfish we really are until we come into relationships with other people. Some of you didn't know how selfish you were until you got married. Mm, okay, I should have left that one alone. Everybody just looks straight and then we, we'll be good. Yeah. Because we like things the way we like things. And the way we like things are the better way of doing things. And I'm just trying to figure out why you don't think the way I think. Mm. Somebody shout together. Together. And then there are people who are very spiritual. And they got God and they don't really need church. They don't need church. That's why some people haven't come back since the pandemic. The pandemic was just an excuse for them. I mean, they're at the beach, but they're not back at church. They're at the football game, but they're not back at church. The pandemic gave people an opportunity to really expose what they were. Because there were some people who their body was in the church, but their mind wasn't. Their heart had left them a long time ago. Mm. 
Yes, I need you to look at the person beside you. Tell them you still need church. Come on, look at them. Tell them you need community. Well, I, I mean, I love God as long as me and God are all right. I'm going to say something very bold. I'm going to say something very bold. Pastor Roberts can come back and have a meeting after church and clean it up, or he can just wait till Sunday. There's no way you and God are so good together, but you're not connected to nobody else. You and God on the best of terms, but you get along with no one else. Oh, you and God are close, but the people in your house don't want you or your God. You can't keep a job. And everybody at every job is jealous of you. And all of it is spiritual warfare. <laughs> every church you've gone to is something wrong with that church. And that's why I just have to leave there. And now I'm coming over here to help you. Your relationship with people is a reflection of your relationship with God. Somebody write it down so you can read it later. Your relationship with people is a reflection of your relationship with God. Having roommates reveal you. Having children reveal you. Getting married reveals you. You don't become someone else different. You just become a manifestation of what you already are. Our relationship with God is reflective in our relationship with each other. Look at 1 John 4 and 20. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. So how is it? That I worship songs as God. How, how, how I love you, God. And then the people you're singing with, you can't stand. That's a contradiction. Oh, God told me to preach this tonight. I'm just going to teach. I'm, I may not hoop and holler, but I'm gonna, I, want, I want to give you to somebody shout together. 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 As a matter of fact, if you look at Matthew cha chapter 5, verse 23. But listen, I give a lot of tithe at this church and I give offerings. But listen what he says. If you got an offering and you come to bring your offering. But you realize that you and your brother in, in the same place are not on good terms? If you got a good singing gift, hallelujah. I mean, you got a good talent. And, and, you know, the church needs your talent and we need your gift. He says, before you bring your gift and before you bring your offering, sit all of that down. And go get reconciled with the person that you walked past and didn't speak to. Because God says, more than your song... More than your money, more than your talent. Oh, my goodness. I want to see reconciliation with you. Because how many times do we try to over spiritualize our confusion? And we try to make excuses while we don't reconcile. See, because we are we're a culture of the cutoff. We are a culture of the major cutoff. Oh, I cut them off. Uh, uh, this is a new year. I'm blocking people. This is a new year. I'm unfriending people. Listen, you just want attention. Just go ahead and do it. You ain't got to keep making announcements. Just do it. But, but how spiritually mature you are, it's not seen by how easy it is for you to cut people off. But it's seen how easily it is for you to reconcile with people. Mm. How easy is it? Are you one of those contentious individuals? 
that you have to be explained to other people. I mean, she's really sweet, you know, once you get to know her. <laughs> no, no, she, I mean, no, for real, she's a nice person. I'm not, I know her facial expressions sometimes. I mean, sometimes she's a little snappy, but we don't have time to be explaining you. We come here to study God. Okay, everybody clap your hands so don't know, because I felt like I was, <sighs> clap your hands so the person beside you don't think you're talking about them. Somebody shout reconcile quickly. Yeah, being together is hard. And I'm going to tell you why it's so hard. Because we're idol worshipers. We're idol worshipers. Now, it is said in the school of religion that the nation of India is the largest idol worshiping country in the world. I stopped to get a shirt today at, at your mall here. That wasn't a joke. It was a mall. <laughs> Shout out to a lady named Socks at the J.C. Penney's. Stopped by the Foot Locker and there was a young man in there from, and I noticed his necklace and he had that really yellow gold. And uh, it had a, a, a image on it. So I said, is that Indian gold? He said, actually it is. And we got to talking. He's from India. I said, this is Indian gold. We have churches in India. We're just talking. And, and I, I recognized the symbol. And uh, they are strong polytheistic idol worshiping nation. Oh, those poor Indians, idol worshipers. But... Although the school of religion says they are the largest idol worshiping country, I want to lift to, the, to those professors that we may not be the largest idol worshiping country, but we're in, we in competition. Yo, we worship idols too. I believe in our Western culture with media and television and all these things that, that are consistently in our face. We are worshiping more than what we know we're worshiping. And unity is hard because we have so many altars set up to our idols. And I'm going to tell you what one of some of the idols. We have our political idols that don't allow us to unify. Now I'm going to say this because I know we're coming into another time of election very soon. And when we come into this time, the world gets greatly divided. And, and people start slandering one another and people get very vicious and you can't bring it up at the Thanksgiving table and you can't talk about it in the store. And people go on Facebook pages and they go back and forth, but it should not be numbered among the saints. What idol do you have politically that causes division between you and your brother and the Lord? Uh Oh, y'all didn't got time. I may not get to come back here again. I'm just going to teach while I got it. If you're a Republican, be a Republican. But you shouldn't be more of a Republican than you are a believer. If you're a Democrat, be a Democrat if you want to be one. But I'm looking at your profanity that's connected to the passion of your politics. And I'm looking at your social media and you're representing a politician more than you're representing God. 
And now you're mad because your president didn't get to the White House or your senator didn't get to the Congress. But let me tell you something. At the end of the day, that position goes in and out. People run terms. They come in and out. But Jesus is still on the throne. He is not open for re-election. How am I going to fall out with my brother and sister over somebody that will not be there in the next few years? Hallelujah. Somebody shout, tear down the altar. Tear down. I believe in my duty uh, to, to vote. I believe in my duty to vote my convictions. But my convictions politically will never supersede my convictions for unity with my brother and my sister. Hallelujah. My conviction should be building a bridge and not building a wall between me and you. Oh, somebody clap your hands so none of us will be guilty tonight. Tear down the wall. Tear down. Tear, tear down the altar to politics. Tear it down. Hallelujah. We have an altar to our race. Oh, we do. Oh, yes, we do. Love your heritage. Love, love your heritage. Trace your ancestry. Those things that are good, celebrate them. And even those things that are bad, hallelujah, learn from them. Hallelujah. I know my family history. I've traced my family history back as far as I can go. I'm proud to be what they call in this country an African-American man. But let me tell you something. Before I'm a black man, I'm a blood wash believer. You hear me? My blackness would never supersede my faith. My God. And I'm coming for everybody in this room tonight. I want to challenge you. If you built up an altar to your race. You built up an altar to your culture. To the point. Now you're holding more to your ancestry. Hallelujah. Than you're holding on to your lineage of faith. Mm. Somebody shout together. Yes. We have, we have altars. And we're idol worshipers when it comes to denominations. I mean. We're Baptist born and Baptist bred. And when it's all over, we'll be Baptist dead. <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. There are some people in this community that have been called to kingdom life. I know it. As much as I'm standing right here, they've been called to kingdom life. And they're going to visit y'all sometime. And the only reason why they will not join this church, even though they said, you know, Pastor BJ, he liked my pastor too. And I like coming over there to visit. But the only reason why they will not join this church is because they have more of a commitment to a denomination than they do to the voice of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, so many of us have more of an altar set up to our traditions than we have. The, well, I ain't never seen it like that. Well, guess what? There's a whole lot in this world you ain't never seen. Hey, hallelujah. Well, I ain't never heard it like that. It's a whole lot that you've never heard. But then he said in Isaiah, behold, I will do a, a new thing. I want to know, is there anybody in here in this room? You ready for something new? You ready for something fresh? You ready for something different? I need you to lift up your voice and praise God in this building because I believe a fresh door is getting ready to open for the believers in this room. And you saying, God, I'm tearing down every altar that I've erected in times past. I'm open for something new in my life oh you better clap your hands and praise him come on come on clap your hands and pray let every idol be cast down <laughs> thank you lord 
Thank you, Lord. There, there are benefits to us being together. There are benefits. I'm almost finished now. But there are benefits to us being together. Us being together is evangelistic. Oftentimes, I tell the parents in our church when I'm doing a baby dedication. I says, before I'm your children's pastor, you are your children's pastor. Kids watch everything. Now, you all can fool us because you all only see us a couple times a week. But you can't fool your kids. They can tell if y'all getting along. They can tell if you love one another. And the way you talk about God makes them want God. If, if God talk is something only you do when you come here, then they consider that church is something that you go to and not something that you are. Mm. Somebody shout together. Togetherness produces the benefit of evangelism. Our togetherness is evangelistic. In John chapter 13, verse 35, he says, by this, everybody will know you're my disciples because you speak in tongues. I'm sorry, no. <laughs> by this, everybody will know you're my disciples because of how many scriptures you... No, no, I'm sorry. These different translations. By this, everybody will know you are my disciples because of how y'all handle each other. How y'all love one another is evangelistic. We throw scriptures at people and hand people tracts. Just love on them. And love each other. See, oftentimes it's easy for us to love the sinner. And we give grace to sinners. But it's hard for us to give grace to other saints. How do you talk about people who've made mistakes since they've been saved? How do you handle wounded soldiers? What is your response in the salon when someone brings up another church? And another pastor? Oh, y'all done got quiet in here tonight. Y'all still with me? Because you have to realize, just because they're talking about another church, that does not give you the leeway to join them. Just because it's not your church. Because what you need to remember, the world doesn't separate us by denominations. They see all of us as the same thing. And how we love one another is evangelistic. And then the Bible tells us that through our togetherness, we are healed. We are healed. It says, confess one to another that you may be healed. That's why I tell you, we all need church. We all need community because without community, you can think you're in a better place than what you really are. No, without community, you out there, you and God by yourself and you, you talking to God and God is talking to you and God told you to do this and God told you to do that. And do you make find out one day that you aren't talking to the right God? You, you, have, to be, you have to be careful about people who God is always talking to, but they're not accountable to anybody else. The Bible even says with biblical prophecy, that prophecy should be done in a company of two or three people. Because everything you heard don't mean it came from the right place. And just because you had a dream, some of your dreams came out of a soulish realm. God didn't give you that dream. I mean, sometimes you might have ate a good slab of bacon. <laughs> 
and you went to sleep and your blood pressure went up and you was dreaming crazy things. And you had a dream that you was married to somebody else's husband. God ain't giving you somebody else's husband. Oh, y'all not saying none of me in here. Hmm. We experience healing together. Because when we're together, our, our victories are multiplied and our burdens are halved. And that's what I want to tell you. Sometimes, don't feel like you always got to have the answer for people. Maybe we need to do classes on how to help people grieve. Because church people, as soon as somebody experiences death, we want to throw a scripture at them. You know, earth has no sorrow. The heaven cannot heal. That's right. We've been made endure for a night. But what? Joy coming. You already know that, right? So if you lose somebody in your family, I don't even really need to start throwing that at you. Especially not when it just happened. Because it's almost like I'm telling you, hurry up and get over it. We've got to learn how to sit with people. Whew. Sometimes we got to learn just to hold people's hand. We know how to rejoice with those who rejoice. But we don't do well with learning how to mourn with those who mourn. We need to sit with people that say, you know what? I get it. And they says, right now I'm angry with God. I understand. Don't rebuke them. Don't call it a demon. It's a human experience. Somebody lost their mother. You're trying to make them get up and shout. I don't want to shout right now. God took my mother and I got to sit in it. And we get healed when we are together. I want to say this because there's somebody in this room even tonight. You've been hanging out on the fringes of the ministry. You've been hanging out on the fringes of church. But your healing is on the inside. We experience healing. And then I'm going to tell you this. We experience God when we're together. Now I know what you're going to say. I experience God by myself. And that's, that's, that's true. And it's important that you know God by yourself. But there's another aspect of God that you only experience when you come in a group of people. He says, well, there's two or three of you gathered in my name. I'll be where? In the midst. I need somebody to look up and down. You'll tell them we want God in the middle of this. Hallelujah. That's why when you hear me shout hallelujah, you need to shout hallelujah. When I start clapping, you start clapping. We want God to come down in the midst. Yes, I've been talking to God all day. He was in the car with me. He was in the shower with me. But there's another part of God that I can only experience when we come somebody shout together and this is why you have to come against the force of the enemy that wants to keep us divided wants to keep us in our little groups want to keep us gossiping against one another wants to keep us against one another somebody shout together that's where the victory is together that's where the healing is together that's where the deliverance is together there's another part of God that you only experience when we come together it's the picture of the mercy seat Come on, you Bible students. You know what I mean when I say the mercy seat. The mercy seat is the lid, the top of the box that's called the Ark of the Covenant. And, and the Bible says on the top, we just call the mercy seat, there are two angelic creatures or cherubims facing one another. And when they're facing one another, all of a sudden, the Shekinah, the Shekinah, we say Shekinah glory. The word Shekinah means glory, so... When you say Shekinah glory, you're saying glory, glory. <laughs> glory, glory, hallelujah, comes down in the midst of it. 
And that's the picture of us. That when we face one another in worship, that's why it's important. It's important. You, do we do worship and we look up at the screens and we read the words and we close our eyes and we lift our hands? And that's worship. But also, don't get so isolated that you come to church and you stay in your seat and you don't connect with nobody. When it's time to greet everybody, you need to make sure you go up to somebody and put your arms around. What they got? That's worship too. Because some kind of way when we connect with one another, it attracts God. And when God comes, miracles come with God. When God comes, healing comes with God. As a matter of fact, I believe God can give us a miracle in here tonight. Is there anybody in here believe God can heal somebody? in this room tonight is there anybody in here believe god can break the back of addiction where it ain't gonna happen just by myself we got to do it what somebody shout together i'm finishing out psalm 133 says this behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity listen what he says he describes it it's like the precious ointment upon the hair i need you to lay hands on your neighbor's shoulder tell him you're gonna get anointed tonight because we in here together hallelujah he says it's like the precious ointment upon the hair and it's gonna run down unto the beard i need you to push somebody tell him it's going to your house tonight and that it went down through the skirts of the garment. Touch somebody. Tell them it's going to flow over into the city tonight. And as the dew of Hermon. Tell somebody it's going to rest on your house tonight. And as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. Uh, don't you miss this. It's in verse 3. It's a promise in verse 3. He says when you come together. There the Lord commanded the blessing. Oh my God. I want you to get out of your seat. And I need you to get to seven people and don't you stop till you get to seven and tell them I command you to be blessed I command oh Lord I command you to be blessed there's a commanded blessing there's a commanded blessing in the room I command you to be blessed I declare there be no death in your house I declare there be no defeat in your house I declare there be no sickness in your house I can declare there be no plague in your house I declare there be no deficit in your house you're going to be blessed going in and blessed going out blessed in the city blessed in the field when you get to number seven I want you to start celebrating because the number seven is the number of completion and I command a completed blessing nothing broken a completed blessing nothing missing a completed blessing nothing lacking I dare somebody to open up your mouth and shout because there will be no deficit in your house he says the blessing is going to be commanded and it's going to be forever I said it's going to be commanded and it's going to be forever. In other words, God said, I'm going to bless you in a way that it's going to bless your children. He said, I'm going to bless you in such a way that it's going to bless your grandchildren. I asked somebody to open up your mouth and shout for the children that are not born yet, but they're going to be born into a blessing. I said, they're going to be born into a blessing and these blessings will come on you and overtake you they're gonna be born all we keep talking about is generational
emotional person. But I want you to find somebody from your family. Tell your family members, tell them we ain't passing no curses. We ain't passing nothing but blessings. Hey, 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 hey. My children not going to inherit a curse. They're going to have generational blessings. It's going from generation to generation to generation to generation to generation. Our inheritance is among the saints of God. Hey, 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 hey. I said, I'm honest. But this is the generation that will seek thee, seek thy face. Oh, Jacob, lift up your head. Oh, ye gates. And be lifted up. The everlasting door. And the king, the king of glory, shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord. I need a shout in the room for the commanded blessing. I said shout and set your children up for victory. Shout and set your nieces and nephews up for victory. Shout until every addiction is broken. Please forgive me, I told y'all I won't go holler tonight. But lay hands on your neighbor, tell him I just found out something. I just shifted the future of my family. Come on, we can't do it by ourselves. Come on, put somebody tell them we got to do this together. We break the back of every demonic system. Y'all help me pray. Y'all help me pull this down. We break the back of every demonic cycle that's been plaguing our family for generations. It started before us, but it will not pass to another generation. Come on, break it, break it. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I need about 50 people in this room that you know mental illness plagues your bloodline. Open up your mouth and break it now, break it. Anxiety and depression and schizophrenia will not be the inheritance of my family. I need about 40 people in this room. Did you know the spirit of addiction is in your bloodline? Just run down here to the altar. You can go back to your seat, but lay hands on the altar. I break it now, I break it. I break it. I break it. Somebody watching online. You got family members that are drinking, addicted to meth, cocaine, heroin, pills, shot of a coast. But we break it. No, 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 shot. In the name of Jesus, we do it together. 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 One can chase a thousand, but two can put 10,000 to flight. Come on, we break it down. We break it down. A thousand shall fall at that side. 10,000 at that right hand. But it will not come my dear. I cover my house. But my house has an address in 
city called Goshen. And in the city of Goshen, there's blood over the doorpost. So I plead the blood. I cover the blood from premature death. I put blood over the house. I shot them a hole from an overdose. I put blood over the door. Somebody, you better open up your mouth and release your prayer language. I feel God got us breaking something in here. God got us breaking something. It's not passing to another generation. Hallelujah. We're not, we're not making the people before us guilty. But God wants somebody to get in the middle. Somebody want, God wants some intercessors. Somebody that will step between the porch and the altar and shout, not another family member. I'm not going to lose another family member to the devil. I'm not losing another. Well, the enemy didn't want me to preach this tonight. I got lightheaded before I came down here tonight. I was sitting there on that front row. I almost looked at Elder Claude and said, Elder Claude, you might have to preach this tonight. Because I got so lightheaded when I was standing up. And it never happened to me before. Hallelujah. Oh, but you know, anytime you're getting ready to tear down something. <laughs> but you know why we got victory? Because we're doing it together tonight. Somebody point to Bishop Young and shout, I got your back. You ain't got to, you ain't got to knock down the door by yourself. Hey, look at one, look at the person by side you tell him, I got you covered tonight. You ain't got to shout by yourself. You ain't got to intercede by yourself. You ain't got to dance by yourself. You ain't got to pray by yourself. We gonna do it. I'm telling you, Hananiah, Mishael, Abednego, the bad thing was that they got thrown in the fiery furnace. But the good thing is they got thrown in there. To the point. The next morning, Nebuchadnezzar looked down in there. He said, did they make it? Shh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There are some people who are still shocked that after everything they did to you, you're still making it. I told her, Pastor, she may be watching tonight. I told her, Pastor, she looked at me. She lost her young son. They couldn't find him. When they found him, he was, he was deceased in his car. And she looked at me. She said, Bishop, I don't think I can pastor anymore. She said, I'm too broken. And I looked at her. I said, Pastor, a broken crayon can still color. She came to my church Sunday. She said, Church, I want y'all to know I'm still coloring. There's some people who waited for you to fail. They expected you to shut the doors. They expected y'all to be divorced. They, they expected you to lose your company. They expected you to be in a corner somewhere with your head. They said, how, how they fair? And they said, well, 
We threw them in there bound, but now they're walking around. Hey, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. They went in bound. And the people who threw them in died from throwing them in. So that was, that was to testify that the fire was real. I need you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I went through what I went through. But I didn't come out looking like it. It was real. No, it was just as bad as people thought it was. Oh, it was bad. Be honest with somebody. Tell them, it was bad. But God was still good. See, when the time of God is on your life, he'll make you look good even in an ugly situation. It was real. It was real. It was real. Just, just two months ago, oh yeah, just two months ago, I went to uh, uh, Rio de Janeiro. We we have a church there in Brazil, but I went to Rio to the to the uh, book festival because my book was released in Portuguese. It was the second largest book festival in Latin America. Thousands of people there. Just a great day, exciting day. It was a moment of accomplishment. After it was over with a young man who travels with me and the young man who was my translator for my church in Brazil, they had never been to the Cristo statue. You know, that big iconic statue that overlooks Rio, that picture of Jesus. And so I told him, I said, let's go. I'll take you all to see it. While we got there, it got dark and they were closed. On our way back to the hotel, we're following the GPS. And while we're following the GPS, uh, we came down this neighborhood. It's what they call Flabella, so what we would call the hood, right? And all of a sudden, when we were coming down, two gunmen came out in the middle of the street and started screaming at us in Portuguese. Uh, some of you can look it up. It was on the news. One of them had a, a rifle. One of them had a handgun. The one that had the rifle came to the driver's side. The one with the handgun came to my side and put his hand in the window and held the gun and he was screaming at me in Portuguese. Now, I speak a little Portuguese, but at that moment, <laughs> come on, when life hits you. And I started shouting at him. I thought I was saying it, but come to find out they said I was screaming. I said, in nome de Jesus, in nome de Jesus, in nome de Jesus, in nome de Jesus. I started saying it so loud. Yes, in the name of Jesus. I started saying it so loud until the other guy told my translator, says, tell him, calm down. <laughs> I didn't even hear him say calm down. By this time, I grabbed the hand that was in the window. And I said, enormous Jesus, enormous Jesus. I knew they were going to steal my phone. They were going to steal my bracelet. They were going to steal. I just Lord said, Lord, save our lives. I found out something that day, hallelujah, that the name of Jesus works in every language. They said, get out of here, get out of here. Two days later, in the same neighborhood, a woman got killed coming through there. The fire was real, but God was real. The fire was real, but my favor was real. I need you to look at somebody and tell them I pray for the people that didn't come out like I did. But I thank God I came out.
The good thing we was in it together. I'm, I'm finished. Let me give you. Let me give you this. Let me give you this, and we go home together. Together. Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, they were thrown in a Roman jail for doing right. What? What happens when doing right don't give you the intended results? They preaching and instead of getting a revival, they get a jail cell. It don't look like what they were praying for. They could have got in their feelings and stayed in their feelings. But what are these crazy things doing? Verse 25, Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Verse 26, verse 27. Verse 27 says, Suddenly there was a violent earthquake, quake, that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open. Everyone's chains came loose. All right, are y'all ready? Y'all got to stay with me. Go back to verse 25. Go back to verse 25. At midnight, who? What were they doing? And what did the prisoners do? They were listening. Look at verse 26. God sends an earthquake. At once, all the prison doors flew open. And what? Hear me. Verse 25 said, won't nobody praying and singing but Paul and Silas. But when the earthquake came, everybody got delivered. Tonight if we get together And we begin to pray And bless the name of our God Some folk that who didn't even sing with us They didn't even pray with us But scream at somebody telling me Everybody gonna be delivered I wanna, I wanna, I wanna give y'all one, one last uh, One last point out of this This is gonna be free Verse 27 the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought all the prisoners had escaped. Verse 28. This is a little disturbing. Verse 28. And verse, tw- oh, I didn't even give you that verse, did I? Okay, you there with me. Paul shouted. Now, this is disturbing. Do yourself no harm. Why? I honor Paul. I really do. I honor him. He had a, he he understood the assignment. Because if I've been praying and singing, and God sent that earthquake and the jail door came open, my response would not be, we all here. It would be no response. <laughs> Verse 29. The jailer called for a light, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And then we know the story. The jailer gets saved, him and his house. So Paul and Silas praying not only brought deliverance to the prisoners, but even to the jailer. I want you to go back, though, to verse 27. Verse 27 says the jailer woke up and he, and he got ready to commit suicide. Verse 28. 
Paul shouted, do yourself no harm. We are all here. Verse 29, the jailer called for a light. Go back to verse, oh my goodness. Go back to verse 27. I'm sorry, we're going to go home. We're going to go home together. I just love the Bible. The jailer woke up. And what time is it? What time is it? Midnight, right? Jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors are open, he was like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble for this. They're going to kill me anyway. So instead of being tortured, I'm going to commit suicide. Verse 28. Paul shouted, do yourself no harm. We're all here. Verse 29. The jailer called for a light. Okay, hold on. When did the jailer call for a light? After. So the question is, how did Paul know he was about to kill himself? Because when you understand your assignment, you can see in the dark. Some of you, play softly so I can finish. Some of you, the only reason why you went through the last season as long as you did is so you can perceive your assignment. You know, when somebody talk to you and they be like, I'm going through this, I'm going through that, you can say, oh, hold on. you ain't got to give me all the details. I know where you are. Because <laughs> I was in it long enough to know the movements of it. Midnight, in the dark, in a dungeon, and he got ready to kill himself. And Paul says, do yourself no harm. We're all here. And then he called for a light. Let me see who this is talking to me. And he fell down. He said, what do I need to What do I need to do to be safe? I want you to lift up your hands together tonight. Whew. Oh yeah, you're, you're strong. You're a strong person. You've been strong for everybody else. But I got a secret to tell you. We're stronger together. I'm going to ask God to anoint your hands tonight. I want you to be open and let the Lord anoint your hands tonight. One last scripture I didn't give you tonight. It's what the Bible says. Three chords are not easily broken. What do we get from being together? Strength. Lord, anoint the hands of the people that, that have their hands up tonight. And now what I want you to do, I want you to bring those hands down and either put them on somebody's shoulder or grab somebody's hand, no matter whatever your comfort zone is. In this moment, Sometimes when we say, you know, I went to church tonight and I heard God, you know, God really spoke to us tonight. Well, how did God speak to us? Because the truth is, we didn't just sit here still with all of our mouths closed and we heard God. That's not how it worked. God used somebody's mouth. And we're the hands of God. So, Father, while we're touching somebody tonight, let them feel you. Let them know in this moment they don't have to be perfect for us and they don't have to be perfect for you. The Bible says man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I pray that you are blessed by the message today. 
And if you want to continue to get more inspirational, motivational, and even more gospel messages, I encourage you to follow our YouTube channel or subscribe to our podcast. And today we want to give you an opportunity to partner what we're doing domestically here at our local church and what we're doing all over the world. There are ways to give. And remember, when you sow, that seed may leave your hand, but it'll never leave your life. The Bible declares to us that when we sow, seeds are connected to harvest. Well, I want you to remember that I know what it feels like to cry until you have no more tears left to cry. But after you finish crying, don't stop. Get up and keep going.